well, after I had this pick, team pick last week. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Has he been caught now? I don't know. I'll have to change it. I'll <laughs> edit my notes here. <laughs> what do you think? You're that fickle. He'll be gone after one bad performance. Cut. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> Out. House of Rugby Ireland, here on Joe. Game changed. Hello and welcome to House of Rugby Ireland here on Joe. I'm Emer Constantine and I'm joined in studio today by Ian Madigan and Fergus McFadden. As always, we have a lot to talk about today. We have to talk about Leinster's Pro 14 win, Scotland beating France, Wales winning the Six Nations and looking ahead to the Champions Cup and we select our Lions team. But first, a little bit of this. We're going to play a clip of Pat Kenny being soaked in some booze after some Leinster celebrations. Fergus, tell us a little bit about what's going on in that clip there. Yeah, well, Mads can tell you as well, because I think he's the one that poured around three, <laughs> three cans of beer on, on four pat. Uh, what happened was we, we'd played the game in Cardiff um, against Northampton, and we'd managed to win the final. So it was obviously everyone's in high spirits, waiting around to, to get checked in. And there was just Leinster fans everywhere. Like, there was people chanting, screaming. It was just a great atmosphere. And um, one of the lads spots Pat Kenny and he was near enough for the trophy so they gave him the trophy and he put it above his head I don't think it has in the video but I think it was Shane Horgan and, and Paul O'Donoghue um, had picked him, picked Pat up on their shoulders and everyone just started soaking him soaking him in beer he was absolutely drenched um, but he was quoted on saying to one of the lads I think it could have been either Paul or Shane when he got down he said something like even though he's absolutely drowned in, in, in beer he was like Thank you so much. That was that was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just actually popped into my head because of obviously that final that the lads played yesterday, and probably just a, a moment like that, or whether it was even a moment together to to spend with with fans and stuff, is is kind of such a shame, really, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. I think that's the one thing that's missing and so many big moments in the game and obviously Leinster doing four in a row. It is a phenomenal achievement. Um, but Ian, looking back at other games that you've won, does any moment stick out in relation to like the post-match celebrations and anything that went on after the game? Um, I think when we won the Six Nations and we stayed, we were stayed over in Scotland, it was the last game of the, of the, um, of the Six Nations and we had to watch France play England in the last game and it depended on points difference and I was going through, I think I've spoken about it on the show, but I was going through a pretty cagey time, you know, with the calculator out, seeing how many points had to be scored and, and just the relief um, of that. But it was just a, a very special night because we stayed over there, which is unusual to stay over after a game, maybe more more common for internationals. Um, but also as well, I think some guys were getting drug tested, so it meant we were able to stay together as a team and celebrate t- together initially and then went back to the to the hotel and it was, I think it was my birthday as well so it just seemed like there's about 10 things rolled into one it was a night I'll never forget so it was a great night yeah there's um, in 2001 in, when Leinster won the when Leinster lost um, the Celtic League they actually won the Celtic League but they lost the Celtic League trophy and it got handed into a Garda station in League Slip is that a common occurrence that the cup goes missing and you're like where the hell what's that group going crazy where is the cup? Has anyone got the cup, or who's actually in charge of the cup on nights out? You can definitely see how it can happen. You know, it's not like you've got major concern for where the trophy is. If like supporters want to come up and have a go, but it's not like you're watching them like a hawk, tracking them down, making sure it comes back. Yeah, I think well, like, we when Leinster won the um, the double in 2018, we had a um, 
we had a, a get together in Kylie's and the two trophies were there. And then we went on to the bridge pub in, in Balls Bridge there that a few lads own. And um, we had the trophies for the whole time, but I'm pretty sure there could have been could have been a little bit of damage done to to the trophies. <laughs> like I don't think lads were too gentle with them after having a few too many drinks. So, um, but I, the responsibility on keeping them or who had them, I'd say I'd, I'd imagine it was probably the captains. They didn't end up in my bed at the end of the night. Anyway. Do you ever see the clip of when I think it was the Dublin minor team won? Um, must win the minor All Ireland final, but. Daniel Radcliffe, like Harry Potter, ended up in a house party with the Sam Maguire and there's pictures everywhere of him of him ending up with the cup. But was there ever anyone like really random, really famous that like just happened to like appear in the corner of any like celebrations any night out? Apart from Pat Kenny. She's not not really that jumps to mind to be honest, no. Like I remember the, the when we won the Amlin Cup in two thousand and thirteen, I brought brought my medal out. Um, underneath my shirt and like went into town. And Why'd you bring your medal out? Why? Why, yeah? Because I was very proud of winning, winning <laughs> my medal. It's like medal. being back on okay? sports day. It's like going into school <laughs> the following day with all your medals on. Absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, I got, the next day anyway, I was up and about and it was obviously great crack with the lads and everything. But the following day, I get this message on Facebook from a fellow going, um, you shouldn't be so careless with your belongings and sent me a picture of my medal. And I was like, it was actually one of my friends had it on him so I managed to get it back but you were very proud of that medal anyway and I'm really just um, delaying the inevitable of chatting about the Leinster win um, yesterday against Munster I think so on Saturday night at the RDS Leinster won their fourth straight Guinness Pro 14 title with a really dominant performance over Munster and I think Ian the stats really tell it all um, they had twice as much possession and 70% territory yeah it like it was you know you look at the scoreboard it was 16-6 but the reality was, off the back of the, the dominance Leinster had in that first half, they could have easily been 15, 20 points clear at half-time. And um, in the second half, Munster didn't really throw a punch to get themselves back into the game, even though it was still in, you know, in the balance. It was still, whatever, a 3 and a 7 and a 10-point game. You're, you're thinking, this is possible. But they barely accessed the, the, the Leinster 22. And you know, I think if you look at the, the key parts of the game, the, you know, the aerial battle, the scrum... Um, the physical battle, you know, how either team moved the ball around. You know, Leinster were streets ahead in, in, in mm. every facet of it for me. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, like I I think it it was the best opportunity. I mean, a lot of people had said it was probably the best opportunity that Munster were, were going to have in a, in a knockout game. You know, I know Leinster had beaten them in the semi-final you know, over the past couple of, couple of years. And this year, there was a couple of players... Missing, obviously, you had the likes of Gary Ringrose missing. You had James Ryan, like proper leaders, some of the best players in the team. Um, you, had, you know, Dan Levy wasn't available. Either was Caelan Doris, whereas Munster had a full stack to pick from. And they had guys, you know, we were really playing so great during the Six Nations. And, yeah, I suppose the Munster fans out there, uh, I'm sure, will, will, will be deeply disappointed. But I think that there's probably, when it matters... There's probably just still there's a there's a gulf in the standard there, and I think Leinster have shown that you know really yesterday. The that that's the thing you're after naming four players there that are like you know definite starters on any team, and still like Leinster managed to pick up the pieces, and there were so many phenomenal performances yesterday. Um, I think we touched on Jack Conan last week and his Irish performance, but he was another man that stood up. Reese Ruddock, you know, he was everywhere and. 
to be able to call on people even when Dan Levy is missing or people with that, that's like it's just it's constant and it's phenomenal that they can you know slot in and the systems are the same and week in week out like pull out performances like they did yeah certainly and you know in, in Munster's defense it was it was tough and some guys just fell flat in the day you know there's guys who, who played really well throughout the Six Nations and then you're asking them to replicate it again in a, a league final and then replicate it again um, this week in Europe it, it's a very tough thing to do, and you know, you look at someone like CJ. You know, I'm sure emotionally that was would have been a very draining week for him, and physically, like the the toll that that the Six Nations would have taken on his body. So, you know, it's it's hard to to keep keep asking, and it's no surprise that they fell a bit flat. And I think Leinster had a big advantage that you know the key guys within that that Leinster team and, and played really well yesterday were there throughout the Six Nations. The likes of Luke McGrath, who you know we spoke about last week, he's been playing consistently through, throughout the Six Nations. Dev. Playing really well, Dev, Dev of course. Reese Ruddock, another one who's, I know he, he got his chance with Ireland. Scott you know, Fardy. Scott Fardy. Jack Conan's been, you know, I know he's, he played in the last game of Six Nations, but he's still relatively fresh. Dave Carney playing all yeah. the games. So, um but yeah, it was it was just one of those one of those days where Leinster just made things go their way. I suppose. Yeah, I think. And then you even look, you've got Tyg Furlong on the bench. You've got Johnny on the bench. Yeah. Um, James Lowe. Yeah, like it's it's scary enough resources to have there um, from Leinster's perspective. And uh, listen, you, you're gonna have to feel for those Munster lads as well. You have some guys there, you know, Billy Holland finishing up. What a servant, you know. Um, obviously, they're still in the Champions Cup, so there is an opportunity for them to, to go further. But they seemed really bitterly disappointed, and it's been a long wait for them for 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 trophies. So um, yeah, you'd feel for them. It has absolutely. What is it? A ten-year wait since Munster mm. have actually won uh, a trophy. There's a lot of lads there, you know, that have ridiculous amount of caps for Munster, but nothing, nothing at the at the end of it. And I think yesterday was probably the day, you know, that they felt it was possible. But what do Munster have to do? Ian heading into the Champions Cup, like they'll be deflated um, yeah. playing after playing that game. It's difficult to build back up, and it's constant. It's, it's some guys have played, you know, how many games and how many weeks? Yeah, there's no doubt it's going to be tough. Um, I certainly don't think Munster are at their best. I think you know throughout the league season, I actually thought they played some really good rugby. I think they've grown, especially actually, ironically, the, the game against Leinster in in Thomond Park. I thought Munster played really well that day, and I was thinking, you know, maybe the tide is turning. Um, but there's there's guys in, in in the Munster team yesterday, like someone like Joey Carberry. You know, I know he's come back. He's played a couple of games and he's played well. But there's a big difference between playing against you know Cardiff or Scarlets or Treviso in a regular league game or playing in a final against Leinster. Um, and you could see there, like you know, even defensively, like it's one thing doing it in training. It's another thing your tackle selection in games. And that, that for me, only comes when you've played probably four, five, six games, especially when you've been out for as long as he have. But, you know, the positive side of it is it's another game under his belt. You know, it'll be interesting to see who they go with this week. Will they, you know, revert back to JJ leading into the, the Toulouse game or will they, st- they stick with, with Joey? Um, but, look, that's an area that, you know, that there can be big improvement because we all know what Joey's capable of. He's a class player and... Um, you know, looking forward to seeing what he can do when he gets a run of games. Yeah, I think the disappointing thing as a Munster fan was the the way Munster had been playing throughout the Pro 14. Like, they had been, you know, playing with flair, like offloading, doing things they never had before. You know, obviously they still had the strength in their pack and obviously Munster, you know, they're known for that. 
but then you know they they were able to create opportunities and like you know some amazing individual and team tries that we just didn't see yesterday it went back to the lack of creativity that Munster had they didn't fire a shot they had no opportunity to score a try which was I suppose the most disappointing thing yeah I think it's it's down to the opposition you're playing against you know and that's that's probably just the the reality of it um you know Leinster tried and tested that group even though some of it is, is still very young uh, winning big matches and being used to winning big matches and, and being composed when you're in a final, you know, uh, and knowing what to do. Um, I thought the variety of Leinster's play was probably better. And, uh, you know, I do agree, you know, Munster put together some really nice rugby this year and maybe didn't do it in the final. I think you've got to be very clinical in, you know, in that 80 minutes. And I think Leinster really were, you know, they had a couple of um, plays offline out in scrum, really nice ones with um, loop plays with uh, out the back to, to Johnny off. Robbie Henshaw and they they made some great space outside. I I kind of felt like the Munster centres were were sat down very easily there, you know, particularly Delande, um, and it just opened up all sorts of space outside of that. And I think from there, then they were a little bit spooked because um, Leinster had gained such ground on a couple of those plays going out the back. Then you see Robbie Henshaw, you know, dummying, going himself in the second yeah. half, making where th those decisions were just there were just a lot more. Um, clinical and 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 the um, execution was an awful lot better from from Leinster really. So, yeah, I think you'd you'd be disappointed with with that from Munster's perspective because really they probably they probably had one notable line break when Gavin Coombs made that you know break through the middle of the field in the first half. Um, sorry, in the second half, and you know aside from that, they didn't really penetrate you know Leinster's defence that much. So. No, they absolutely didn't. We'll, we'll chat about Robbie Henshaw in a little bit. But um, in relation to lifting the cup, obviously last year you lifted the Pro 14 Cup with the lads and um, James Tracy got uh, karma back on him back on him yesterday, according to the photos. He got his top lifted up. So what Leinster player did you text just to ensure that the karma was uh, received? I texted half the team. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of actually going in there myself, throwing a Leinster jersey on, trying to sneak onto the podium. No, I think uh, I think think Rudd's had my back there. He pulled his top up, and um, yeah, Tracy's gut was hanging out. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, in relation to lifting the trophy, though, um, Scott Fardy and Michael Bent were also there lifting the trophy with Dave Toner. When Leo Cullen was asked after the game, you know, is it anything to do with retirement? He was just like, no, you know, their leaders on the team and absolutely just brushed it off. But those guys haven't actually had their their contracts renewed yet. Is that something that players who were leaving? Like yourself, tend to do, or are we reading too much into this? Uh, I think it's an it's a very unusual time because you've got a final, then you've got knockout stages of Europe, then you've got a Rainbow Cup. So still a lot of rugby to be played. I think um, Luke McGrath was the captain yesterday, and you know he's got plenty of years left him left in him playing for Leinster, and um, Michael Bent wasn't involved in the game, um, you know, and and. Uh, it it sounds like you know Scott and and Michael Bent's um, contract situation maybe hasn't been sorted yet. We all know that the contract um, negotiations are going on further and longer and longer into the season because of COVID and the uncertainty and the lack of money, etc. So um, I haven't heard anything what they're doing, but um, it was a nice touch, really nice touch to let those guys. You know, Michael Michael Bent came over here in. Uh, 
2013, I think it was. He's been here for eight years, you know, does, has done a phenomenal job uh, in the scrum. And, um, you know, he's, he's picked, you know, he, he, he's probably one of the most durable guys. We talked about Dev earlier on, plays in every single game, you know, tough matches, he made the scrum penalties. I think um, Leo referenced it. So um, really great servant, servant to Leinster. And then you've got Scott Fardy, you know this. This you know it was fitting that he was involved in lifting it. Like he's been, he's been. A, you know I've been involved in Leinster when they've recruited badly, and I've been involved in Leinster when they recruited well. And the importance of having someone like Scott Fardy in in your in your squad, you can't put a value on that. Between, because there's a rugby ability obviously that's there. He's been you know got to a World Cup final. You know he he's got so much experiences in different in different cultures and teams and countries. But it's actually. It's a, it's the person as well. You you need a fit for the club that has the same values, comes in, fits in seamlessly. He's just that guy, and he he's you know great crack in the changing, but a really really good professional. And um, yeah, I I think it was just it was brilliant to see those lads all lifted together. It was it was I'm sure quite emotional for them. Yeah, what's nice as well about it is there are three guys that would have played in nearly every league game this season. Um, you know, and that's important. And I think in fairness to Leo, he's very good at rewarding guys who've who've you know put it in in the regular season league games. Someone like Rory O'Loughlin yesterday, he's played the majority of the games. <coughs> and yeah, as Ferg touched on there, like Michael Bent has been, he's been a pillar to Leinster's success. Like the, the league is quite often decided during, you know, the autumn internationals, the Six Nations. It's how your team can cope without the internationals. Um, and the likes of you know, Dev, Benty, Scott Fardy, you know, they, they have a big part to play in But that. even with Luke McGraw last week, we were discussing, like, what will, what, who will start, you know, mm. based on Six Nations time. And it was great that Luke McGrath and um, Ross Byrne started and obviously Gibson Park and Sexton on the bench. And it was nice to see those players rewarded too. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, it was. And it kind of, you know, because I saw some articles in the paper saying, you know, Leinster are maybe not picking their strongest side. But I think people probably don't understand that so you've got Johnny coming off of Six Nations. He just played, I think it was three eighties in a row or yeah. two. You know, there's going to add a gunman element of fatigue there. I think they actually used the resources and the players they had yeah. there really well. You've got, you know, Ross who wants to prove a point. He's probably been chomping at the bit in Irish camp and has also still played a bit of rugby. Um, I thought he had an outstanding game. Yeah. Um, but back to Dev again, because the one person I didn't mention there was lifting the trophy. I thought it was a funny picture on Instagram where he was lifting it on his own and there's probably around eight players behind him that aren't going to be in that picture because yeah. he's just so big. <laughs> but, uh, They're trying to hold the cup and they can't get to it. Uh, what, like, what a, what a legend. Like, and, and what a, what a um, nice touch again for him to have been involved in that. But to, you know, to break Gordon Darcy's record of, of, of the Cavs and plenty more to come from him as well. Um, just a phen- phenomenal achievement and such a, such a great guy and an incredible player. So two players that um, that were involved in both Munster and Leinster at the weekend was um, Tyburn and Robbie Henshaw, and both players have actually just got nominated as um, a potential player of the Six Nations. So two players that we we've spoken about throughout the weeks and their influences on the games, and um, you have to say that they have been well deserved. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, like Robbie backed it up again with a big performance yesterday, and in fairness to Ty. I thought he had another very good game, but he's a marked man, especially in interpros. Guys who've played with him in the Irish setup, they know. Like if they see that blue scrum mat, like get him out of that. Any anywhere around the breakdown, he's going to be targeted. And in fairness to Leinster, they did a good job at, at nullifying that. I think there was only a handful of turnovers. Um, 
but yeah, look good on them and um, they certainly deserve it off the back of how they've performed. Yeah, so the Rainbow Cup fixtures were just confirmed for April and May during the week, um, starting off with some local derbies. So obviously the Irish teams will play the Irish teams first and so on and so forth. So Ian, when do you think you'll get a bit of sun and get to head down to South Africa and play those games? Um, if I'm being honest, I don't think that's going to happen in this, this season. Um, hopefully... You know, post preseason next year, and 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 everyone gets vaccinated, and um, you know the protocols are in place for us to to be able to travel over there and it, it to be be safe for for games to be played. Um, there I've, isn't a lot of time. Like if you look at the schedule with the Champions yeah. Cup fixtures and then the Rainbow Cup, the three games you've to play, there isn't actually a lot more time for no. cross travel between countries. I think September would be probably a good good month to aim for, aim for, for with that I think with this current Rainbow Cup I think it's either going to be the South African teams coming over and, and basing themselves here I think there was talk of one of them maybe being in Dubai another one being in the UK um, another one maybe being in Ireland so um, look we're, we're kind of being drip fed the information yeah. as players we, we got the fixtures during the week which is great gives us something to aim at and um, you know for us it's very much week, week to week and just focus on the, the game against Harlequins this weekend yeah, absolutely. It seems like that. It seems that, you know, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of game so that you don't ask questions, too many questions about <laughs> yeah. if we're going to get to go to South Africa at any stage. Yeah. It was a shame for us, like, we were good enough to be in playoff games this this year. You know, we um, barred the two games against Leinster, we went unbeaten, you know, so it was it was tough. And it only really sunk in for me watching yesterday, you know, watching that final and just going, oh, I'd love to have played in a, a semi and hopefully a final this, this year. But um, I suppose... The, the opportunity presents itself now with the, the Challenge Cup and, and moving on to, to the Rainbow Cup. Is that annoying as a, as a squad and as a player that the Pro 14, as it was, got you know changed and restructured throughout the season and automatically you had to win your table, win your conference? to like It put pressure on you throughout the, throughout the season and then the Rainbow Cup mightn't actually happen. So is there frustration, a frustration element with Ulster there? Yeah, certainly there was because... You know the posts are always moving. It's it's a bit unfair. You know if we'd known that that was the case, not that you'd say oh we would have tried yeah. harder in games, but your strategy might have been different. Instead of kicking three at the end of a game, you'd have gone well. You know what we're going to be competing toe to toe at Leinster here. Um, we need a bonus point here, and yeah. that might have changed our, our psyche a bit. But look for me, I think it's a shame that they didn't uh, cut the league one game shorter yeah. and have a semi final and and a final. Now I know it would have clashed with with the Six Nations, but the squads are deep enough and there's enough players there, in my opinion, to to be able to do that. And everyone loves the spectacles and, and the competitiveness of, of, of semi-finals. It would have been four Irish teams in, in the semi-final for the first time ever. So um, it was definitely an opportunity missed, in my opinion, by, by Pro 14. Yeah, 100%. So we look back to the French-Scottish game on Friday and Wayne Privac's Wales were fancied by none, I think, including us in the Autumn Nations after those performances heading into this year's Six Nations. But they have ended up as champions after Scotland stood up superbly well to France in Paris. I suppose, first off, was it a bit unfair that the Scottish boys didn't have a full hand based on the Premiership restrictions? Had England been up for a Grand Slam or up for a Championship do you think those those rules would have stayed the same for the Scottish guys? How do you mean there? I don't really get, understand the question. So they were restricted yeah. with how many players they were allowed to use? It's basically because it was in an international window. Uh, oh, sorry, for yeah. the, for, because it was out of the window yeah. that was actually yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, I think that... Um, maybe, but I think that 
you know, Scotland still sh showed how far they've come. Like yeah. they, they still managed to beat them over there. And at a, you know, the way they beat them at the end, in years gone by with Scotland, there you go, oh, they give it a bit of a crack, but they're not going to do it. Like yeah. you know, but to 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 put together all those phases, it was raining over there. Yeah. It's difficult. Big French side, a fancy French side. You know, odds on. Well, sorry, not odds on, but like to beat them by twenty points and and uh, yeah. get a try bonus point. You know. The odds weren't very good on that, mm. so it shows that they were huge. The French were huge favourites to win well there, and um, yeah, hats off to the Scots with the with the, the people they did have there and their manager. I think when you look at their squad going into the next couple of seasons and even going towards that next World Cup, you've got you know Redpath, the young twelve who was outstanding in that first yeah. match. He's won't really one for the future. I think if he had stayed fit for the full Six Nations, you could have been talking about him for you know as a bolter for the Lions, but. You know, throughout their team, that guy Jamie Ritchie was outstanding as well. I thought he was yeah. one of the best back rows on the day. So um, they're going to be a very difficult team again next year uh, in the Six Nations for, for, for everyone. I think they'll probably be kicking themselves with, um, you know, with particularly the loss to, to, to Wales that probably slipped, slipped away from them. Yeah. yeah, if they win that Welsh game, you know, they're going into the one against Ireland full of confidence. I thought... You know, we, we definitely have Scotland's number at the moment. You know, I think we've beaten them maybe five or six times in a row. But this year, the way those first couple of games have gone, if they'd gotten the win against Wales, going into the, the game against Ireland, full of confidence at home, it could have been, a, you know, a different story. Now, it was a very close game as it was, but I didn't think Scotland played as well as they did against England or against France, against us. And, you know, that's credit to us at the same time. Yeah, it's disappointing. They still finished fourth. They managed mm. to beat France and England in the same championship. Like, it's a phenomenal year if you look at that, but still finishing fourth place isn't really where they want to be. No, it's disappointing. I think it was only on, you know, points difference. I think they're maybe level with us, but that was the nature of the Six Nations. It was one point, was it? Yeah, it was something like that. It was a couple of points, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, it was the nature of the Six Nations. Any team could beat anyone this year, home or away, which is unusual, and, and maybe that's partly down to COVID. And, um, you know, even I think some of the refereeing decisions at the weekend, if there was a full crowd in, in the Stade de France, it could have been, you know, a pretty nasty atmosphere, and that mm. might influ have influenced Wayne Barnes a small bit. Um, but yeah, look, it was a fantastic competition, and um, I think it's good going forward. Obviously, bar the Italians who got, you know, fairly hosed down in every game, England effectively got the glorified wooden spoon, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, everyone's happy with that one. Absolutely, everyone's happy with that one. Um, World or Six Nations announced their six nominees for player of the tournament today. But who, Ferg, in your opinion, I suppose without even knowing the nominees, who do you think would have won that award or who deserves that award? Well, I think after Wales winning it, it generally goes to you know the team that a player from the team that's won it, and I think Louis Rees-Samet would probably be in the mix for me and maybe Justin Tipperick as well. He was outstanding. So probably those two from Wales mm -hmm. and then you talked about the ones from Ireland. But yeah, like Robbie Henshaw, you'd have to think he'd be in the mix there as well. Yeah. I know Ty Byrne was, was really outstanding, but, uh, you know, as a back, I suppose, yeah. and I would I would be, um, I think he was just brilliant. I think he, 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 uh, he should be right in the mix there, but I'd imagine he'll go to a Welsh player. You should get some sort of an award for name dropping him early on this year. Louis, yeah, <laughs> he's been he's been phenomenal. It just shows like when you've got like raw speed like that. Um, now he's got obviously got far more to his game, and he's shown that throughout the Six Nations. But when you've got raw speed, it's a good place to start. Mm. And um, he's someone who's really grown both for his club, but also 
you know, at international level, and I'm sure he's going to be, you know, definitely in the mix to be a starter on that that that, that probably right wing. Mm. Adam and Jones, Shorty, is, I would imagine Adam yeah. and Jones is, might be in the mix for for winning that accolade as well. Player of the tournament. Maybe. Was he nominated? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he'd have, as captain of the winning yeah. team, you'd yeah. like to think he's in the mix. He's also played played yeah. really well. I was yeah. gutted for him when they when they didn't do the Grand Slam. You know, just... Yeah, that look. Oh, <laughs> just, that yeah, it's hard not to feel deflated. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, he's still, he's still... Still playing incredibly good stuff. The other two players um, are obviously Antoine Dupont and uh, Xander Fagerson, who has been phenomenal for Scotland, I think. Mm. Yeah, like Dupont is probably the best nine in, in world rugby at the moment. I actually thought he had a poor game at the weekend. Did, yeah. He just, his instincts didn't look as sharp. Entomac, who I'm also a big fan of, I thought he had a poor game. I thought he forced things. Um, and it definitely looked like they were chasing the 21 points in their heads. Now, I know they kicked three points early on in the game and then kicked another three points, which would indicate you know they weren't chasing the bonus point too early, but just in their play they weren't they didn't have that patience that they've that they had in some of the previous games, and look I, I think that's going to be a big step forward in in the learning curve for that group. They still are a young group; they're relatively inexperienced, but you know they're they're a team that I'd say you'd, you'd have to have as as favourites for for next year's Six Nations. You know they're going to play. Um, I think they'll play Ireland and England in Stade de France, which would be a big help. And hopefully, at that stage, crowds will be back. And you know, the age profile of their side—they're all going to be a year better as opposed to a year older. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll chat about the Lions. Um, Pat thought the best way for us to talk Lions and the current frontrunners was to select what our starting fifteen would be for the first test against South Africa. Fergus, let's start with you. We'll chat about, you know, we'll tease it out who you think might be on your... You can do the your, front row. Yeah, you, you can start with the front row. <laughs> your, <laughs> your I don't think any of us here pitched very well. We might just, uh, we'll say maybe we'll Wynne Jones. We'll give it our best crack. Go Wynne Jones, Ken Owens, and I think Tyg Furlong deserves a start in the front row. Yeah, I think, I think, I don't know if Tyg deserves a start, but I think that he's probably the best option to start. And I think he's shown from his... You know the, the cameos he's had in, in the in the few games. Um, you know the performance against England, outstanding. You know Scotland, he had this like the dancing feet that mm -hmm. everyone saw. Um, you know, really brilliant. So I, I'd imagine he's in the driving seat. Yeah, for a tight head. Um, Hooker is a funny one because I know you know Ken Owens has been so solid. And he's been brilliant for Wales, and I think that what will you know work in his favour is Gatland knows him really well. <clears throat> but I wonder is there is there chance for a bit of a a bolter like you need a big you need you need big hookers but you need you need athletic ones to play South Africa and, and Ronan Kelleher really is I think if if Gatland has, has watched him and he and he likes him I think he would be a great guy to bring down there and I think he could be a bit of a wild card to start. Yeah, it's a funny one, hooker, because you look at the Six Nations, no one. Or Ken Owens, who obviously played very well, was on the winning side. No one was really took the, the bull by the horns. Um, and someone like Jamie George, he's now going back to play in the championship. So he doesn't actually have an opportunity to really put his hand up in the premiership. He probably wasn't playing by his standards as best. No, he, he, no he wasn't. But like you know, you, you'd be thinking, right, I'm back to my club. I can still salvage it. If, if Saris went and did the premiership and European double and, and he was at the centre of that, then he would have been back in the mix. I don't think he's someone now who they can pick. He's not going to play top-level rugby um, mm. in this calendar year going into that Lions tour. So um, 
it, it definitely is teed up for, for a bolter and someone like Rowan Keller who's going to be playing top level rugby in both the you know the Rainbow League, Rainbow Cup and the Champions Cup. There's no reason why it couldn't be him. But I'd agree with you, yeah, and the the loose head Jones from, from Wales, he's been brilliant. He you know, man of the match performance there in, in one of their games and um been a very solid performer. So you'd imagine he'd be you know, he'd be nailed on there. Yeah. Fairness to Rob Herring as well, like he's been he was rock solid in the Six Nations, you know, the, the line out came, has come on a huge amount in the time that, that Paulie's been there and um I think all the struggles all the hookers were struggling a small bit, you know, leading into the, the, the Six Nations, but I th- I thought he was a really consistent performer and you know, if he can kick on a bit now with, with Ulster that you know, he could definitely put himself in the mix. Yeah. I think then you move into second row, another area of expertise for us. <laughs> Absolutely. But I, <laughs> I, people probably call me crazy for saying this, but I think that uh, I'd go with Win jo- J- Jones and James Ryan, and I, you know, maybe keep keep Atoja on the bench. And I, I'm sure people with him might think I'm crazy for saying that, but I think that James Ryan's very unlucky with the, the concussion, and he'll be stepping out. But I think he will have a a run in hopefully if Leinster managed to beat Toulon for, for games to, to show what he's about because I, I didn't think Atoja was playing his best rugby being honest and I think um, you know he, he, he put in a, a strong performance in um, one or two of the games but not consistently and I think that James Ryan is, he just has that consistency and Wynne Jones is probably going to be nailed on realistically he's probably favoured to be captain um, what do you think about Thoreau? Second row. You'd surely have to put Brown in there after getting nominated for player of the tournament, or would you well, put him at back six, row? Though, you see. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I thought he, played, he played his best yeah. rugby at six. I thought Brown. I think it's. I think it's an open one. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be fully convinced on James Ryan for it yet. I've been obviously very impressed when he's a quality player, but that is one that that is going to be come down to how you're, you're playing for your, your club in the, in the lead up to the selection. Um, I'm a big fan of Johnny Gray. Um, mm. You know. He's he's been probably the best second row for me over the last three or four years. So he's someone who puts it in week in week out with Exeter and um, would be a good match for for the South Africans. Yeah, moving on to the back row, then there's an immense amount of players that you could pick. Yeah, there is, and I think again, it's 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 horses for courses, and then horses that have performed for you. And you know, like I think Gatland, he just knows yeah. Justin Tipperick so well. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he's probably going to be nailed on for him he's been pretty outstanding for them um, then in, in the back row I feel like uh, like the number 8 jer- jersey is kind of it's up for grabs really he he might go he might go with Faletau Faletau travels he's mm-hmm. been playing his best rugby in years yeah, yeah. Billy Napola probably hasn't hit the form that you would another have. guy who's not going to get club rugby now as well so yeah, yeah, you know, it's a big risk and it's a risk that like Eddie Jones took didn't pay off you know, is Warren Gatlin going to take the same risk? I don't. I don't think so. Mm. Um, Do you think sorry? CJ has an opportunity to be there? I think he'd have a good opportunity to travel. I don't think yeah. he'll start, though. I think that I think Falatau has a much better chance of starting than than CJ. Yeah. That's my feeling on it. And um, at six, then I'd probably I'd probably pick Tig because you know he has that extra bit of height in the line out. He showed how mobile he is being back there. His performances. Yeah. You know, in this in the Six Nations, I'll probably have him in there, yeah, to to um, have those three, yeah. What yeah. about the seven then? Hamish Watson nomina- nominated for player of the tournament, but there is so many like Curry, um, he's seven, isn't he? Underhill. 
But Justin um, Tiprick, I said, Tiprick, it was kind yeah, of, I'd probably put him in there. But yeah. I don't know, what do you think? Hamish Watson's one of those guys, he just, every time he plays, he just seems to pop up everywhere. You know, he's, um, it's hard to know, obviously he's not the biggest of guys, you know, against the South Africans, will he, will he look to go with someone who's a bit bigger, but um, he'd have, you know, he'd an incredible competition and whatever way Scotland play, it really seems to suit him. Hmm. We had a bit of chat about the nine position. Um, I went for Murray. I think he's the best of the nines. I would say that. But um, even what after you, yesterday, what? No, after I had this pick, team pick last week. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Has he been caught now? I don't know. I'll have to change it. I'm, I'm <laughs> edit my notes here. <laughs> what do you think? You're that fickle. He'd be gone after one bad performance. Cut. <laughs> <Good>. Out. <laughs> yeah, I think that. Uh, I think Connor will definitely, definitely travel to the, over there, and I think the fact that Gatlin knows him, you know, he played so well in that um, in that tour to, to Australia. Um, you know, when they beat them, that he he'd kind of he had made the nine jersey his own in the last test, and um, again, the, the fact that Gatlin knows him well, if he'd pick his form up from for Munster, um, he'd be in a good position. And then I think. Um, I think I think Ben Youngs will, will, will travel as well. Uh, I'm not so sure. It's actually a, a position that's that's yeah. that's going to be hard to pick. I think yeah, there hasn't Young, been one. Yeah. He had another guy before the Six Nations. You would have thought was nailed on. After the Six Nations, not so much. Yeah, it's up know? for grabs because it's it's kind of the opposite to the back row almost. That there was so many people playing so well in the back row that I think the standards of the nines has probably been sub. Yeah, it's Davies. In fairness, you know, again, have to go back to the team that's that's won us. I thought he 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 was very good, and um, he's a lot to his game. He's nippy, good box kicker, very very good passer. Plays with a seriously high tempo, and I think if that's the style of play that they're they're looking to to go with, he's probably the man for the job. Yeah, I'd ask you about the ten. Yeah, I, I I think Johnny should be going again. He was the form ten for me in the in the Six Nations. I know there's been a lot of talk about Finn Russell, and he was incredible last year, especially in in the the Champions Cup and, and for Racing in the top 14. But um, for me, in every head-to-head this year, Johnny's out, outplayed his opposite number. We know what he can do with his goal kicking, which is some, something that, that Finn, for me, struggles with. It doesn't doesn't look like he's he's figured it out yet. Um, and, would you, you know, consider bigger? Yeah, I would. I'm, yeah, I, I think, you know, even like bigger's aerial ability is, is something that, that no other 10s, you know, offer. Um very good defensively. I think Johnny probably gets the back line going better and, and the interplay with the forwards. I, don't know what you I wonder think, will they bring, like if they're going to bring three tens, will they bring three tens? Gatlin usually just brings two, but like if Farrell well, they goes, could bring, Yeah, covered. so they could yeah. bring, Farrell they could bring go, bigger, well, they could bring bigger and Johnny yeah. and then you bring Farrell, Farrell as a centre, yeah. but he can cover, yeah, cover I ten. Because I think, I, I agree, I think Johnny, because the thing is, you're leading into a lines here, you know, some guys, a little bit of a benefit of day reputation but you've got to be playing very well and he, Johnny is playing very well and Owen Farrell probably isn't playing very well so um, people are talking about him at 12 Robbie's got to be at 12 he's got to be at 12 he's yeah. been one of the best backs in the world for the last year in that position so I think you know he's got to be in the driving seat to start there he's shown that he's got so much variety to the way he can play he can he can bash people he can step people he can like win those aerial battles, beautiful passer, kicker. I just think he's a great option. I think he's toured before, um, he knows what it's about. And probably Johnny Davies, because again, you know, 
quality player, knows what it's like to start in the Lions, Lions Tour, Gatland, fav a favourite of Gatland, a bit of a leader. Um, I, I would say those guys that start in the centre and then you're moving on to the wing. Louis Rees Amit, um, you'd imagine he is in the driving seat to, to pick yeah. up one of the spots there on the wing with um, maybe maybe a Johnny May or or a uh, or a Anthony Anthony Watson on, on the other side. Yeah. Um, I think anyway because I think you're gonna you're gonna need really raw raw speed or like for for the back three that South Africa have and the broken field runners. I think you need you know solid very solid wingers, but you also need like rapidly quick wingers, and they are two guys that have that. Yeah, wingers a funny one as well, like because. You know, it, it changes so quickly on form. It's not like, you know, props or second rows. You know exactly what you're getting from them. You're going to see over the next few months, you're going to see some wingers absolutely carve up. You're going to see other wingers go on a bit of a dry spell. Um, so it, it's going to be very much dependent on how they go for their clubs and, and, and who really strikes form and, you know, in, in their league and in, in the Champions Cup. Yeah, Van der Merve has been phenomenal too, though, for Scotland. Yeah, like, I think as well, like, his physicality yeah. against the South Africans, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's something that they're definitely going to have to look at. You know, if you have him on one wing and Reese Samet with his speed on the other wing, you've got lovely balance between, you know, speed, bringing in your blind winger, using him for pace bringing your other blind winger in and using him for power to yeah. run over someone. And to be that, fair, that's he's probably yeah, tough to defend against. He's an, improved, he's, improved, he's an improved defender as well. It probably was the side of his game let him down yeah. a little bit reading, but he's, yeah. he's really, he's had a great Six Nations. I think he was one of the top try scorers in it, in, in, in the campaign. And um, yeah, and then 15, you, you'd imagine Stuart Hogg, I think he's had a brilliant, uh, a brilliant tournament. I think he had another great game there. Uh, against France, in fairness, um, his kicking game is is, yeah. is such a weapon with the, the length he has. Um, he can also kick off the tee, and then just what he brings with that counter attack. So um, you'd imagine that 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 he has he'll have that nailed down to start. Yeah, like I thought, I, I thought Liam Williams had a yeah. bloody great game. I know it was a bad bad error to to get yellow carded at the end of the game, but yeah, apart I, from that. I thought he was fantastic. You know, his attacking, his aerial. Um, game. He's a, he's also a very good kicker of the ball. Um, in fairness to Hugo Keenan, like he's he's got to be in the mix now. I, like how many fullbacks do they usually bring? <sighs> he can cover three. wing, like so he's a utility fullback. You know they mm. probably look to bring two, but one of them will probably have to cover the wing. Um, he might go and does not get a lot of probably. Well, you, you could know, go and catch games. form and still yeah. get in. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I think probably what the two other. Uh, Liam and and um, Hogg have unformed. Unformed, you'd think Hugo would go with, yeah. with Stuart Hogg, but yeah. the, the the thing that comes into a coach's head in these situations is who's done it for me? Yeah, o under yeah. me, under me, and Liam Williams has done it. You know, you saw he he started at fifteen, and you saw what he did for that try where Sean O'Brien and he made that break. Yeah. Like he yeah. had, he is a big game player. That's the one thing that would maybe work against uh, maybe Hugo for not travelling. Yeah. yeah, so there you have it. Our Lions team picked. We heard it first here. Murray Cut. But that's if you don't change it in that second. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. But look, you predicted Louis Reesamit to be like on fire this year and you got it right. And you also predicted the, Australian, the Lions going to Australia and that was potentially in the mix. He's so look, stuff. look. <laughs> if you talk enough... That doesn't seem to get brought up. <laughs> if you talk enough, some of it's bound to, be, bound to be true. Before we finish up, we'll just have a brief chat about the Champions Cup. So it returns on Friday night after a severely disrupted tournament saw the pool stages wrap up only after two rounds. Connacht and Ulster are in the Challenge Cup too, but let's start with the game at the Aviva 
um, on Friday, Leinster versus Toulon. So Mananu will miss, miss the game after he was sent off in Toulon's 54-16 league defeat to Leon. Um, Johnny will surely be a doubt for that game as well. He went off injured. Yeah, I don't know what how bad the injury was. It looked like he got a wallop on the nose yeah. or it might have gone for a in HA, head injury probably. Uh, assessment. So, yeah, hopefully for, for Leinster he's fit. But listen, you saw what Ross Byrne can do when he stepped yeah. in. Pretty, you know, the, the team was operating at a seriously high level under him. He's, uh, you know, he's been doing it for um, for a number of years now on the big stage with Leinster in the knockout matches. So, um yeah, interesting to see what team they pick, but it, it's going to be a challenging game. Um, Leinster will obviously be favourites, and you'd imagine at home they'll beat them. Um, but Manon, it will be a big, big loss for Toulon. That's not, that's not ideal for them. Yeah, Toulon aren't the force of you know what they were back in 2014, 2015. No, no, no. You know, so um, they don't have that kind of core group of quality players. Um, so I think, I think that would be a, a pretty comfortable win for, for Leinster. Munster versus Toulouse. Um, Munster will be hoping that Peter O'Mahony will be fit after he limped off, actually, in the final at the weekend. Um, the obvious threats, Dupont, Entomac, Colby. Um, if you give a quick prediction how that game, do you think, will go? Yeah, that, it's going to be interesting. Like If, if, if Munster are going to go into that game and just think that their box-kicking and, and winning the aerial game is going to be enough, it probably won't. You know, you've got to be able to to play against Toulouse and they do present you with opportunities especially on turnover you know the style of play that they they do it's it's offloading it's high tempo but there's there's plenty of mistakes in there as well and I think if Munster can um, you know make the most of them you know there's no reason why they can't beat them at home like we gave it a, a good crack in, against uh, up, in, um, up in the Kingspan earlier in the season it's a game that you know I've it's a real sore point for me I thought we dominated large parts of it as I said, Toulouse provided us with, with opportunities. Unfortunately, we provided them with maybe three or four and they took every one of them. And that's you know, something that Munster are going to be very conscious of this week. You, you, you cannot switch off for a moment against these guys because there's, there's class across the board. And finally, up in the Challenge Cup, Leicester are against Connacht. How do you see that game going? Yeah, I, I fancy Connacht to win that game. I think... Uh, you know, Connacht are uh, a very, very tough, tough team to beat in the sports ground. They'll also be without Bundy as well with that red card. Yeah, they'll be a bit miss Bundy massively, but I think um, Tom Daly has done brilliantly well um, in the games that he's had for them. He's, he's been really consistent, so um, you know he'll be able to go in there and do a job. And I think that they'll have they'll have Leicester's number like the sports ground. Really tough place to go, and and this is. Um, you know, Connick's, Connick's only chance to, to win some trophies, so they'll be well up for it. Yeah, yeah Leicester are kind of on a rebuilding phase. You know, they've, they're definitely in the bottom half of the Premiership. I'm not exactly eighth sure. Eighth in the Premiership. Eighth, yeah. Um, they're better than they were last year, you know. They were, they were lucky that there was no relegation last year. They really struggled. Um, but they have a new coach in. You can see his stuff is beginning to click. They have beaten some of the good sides in the Premiership this year. So there's no doubt it'll be a tough one, but I think at home, I think you're probably right, Fergie, that, that, that Connick will have enough. Yeah, and what about finally your game against Quinns um, over in the Stoop? Um, they're fourth place in the Premiership and playing some decent rugby at the moment. Yeah, Quinns are playing really well. They had a fantastic game against uh, Bristol, my old team, at the weekend. It was a, one of the the craziest games, of, or craziest finishes to a game. I think it was on 75 minutes. Quinns were still 12 points up and Bristol scored 
a late try and then another late try and Callum Sheedy got a great touchline conversion to, to win it. So hopefully that's got Quinns really deflated going into this week. Um, you know, a long bus trip home from, from Bristol to, to London. And um, But look, we're under no illusions. It's going to be really tough going over there. Um, we've played Quinns, I think, maybe four times over the last three or four seasons and they've all been really tight games. So we know we're going to have to be at our very best to, to be able to come away with a win. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cheers, guys, and cheers to everybody for watching and listening today. A big thank you to producer Pat, Paul, Anthony, Dearmood, and everybody that has helped in getting this show together. This has been House of Rugby Ireland here on Joe Slongafull. Slong. House of Rugby Ireland here on Joe. Game changed. <laughs>